You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are brimming with passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jennifer Justice. And today we're excited to share with you our second installment in our home selling series, home prep and documentation. And by the way, when we start talking about home prep, it really shouldn't be brimming with passion for real estate. It should be brooming. Because you're going to be cleaning. Clean, clean, clean. All right. We're going to talk about the documentation that's required to get your home ready to put on the market. And then we're going to talk about the various prep concepts. So yeah, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna give you a, a bird's eye view of what this looks like. So, what are you gonna have to get started on doing, or what are the best practices for potentially putting your home on the market? And then it does take a fair amount of paperwork. It does. Let's start there, right? Let's get the boring paperwork done out out of the way first. What kinds of things are we looking at? Well, the first thing I always ask people to do is, you know, if you've got all of your warranties and and different items that you've collected, say you've lived in your home for 10 years and you've installed, you know, a new alarm system, a new dishwasher, a new refrigerator in the last, you know, say five years, collect those documents and we're going to put together a booklet that we can pass on to your next buyer because that really helps them understand what you've done for the home. And these items can also be helpful when you're filling out your seller's disclosure. So, and not everyone does this. this. This doesn't always happen, and it doesn't always necessarily happen prior to listing. But I can tell you this, and this will be a consistent theme we talk about today, is that when you are organized, when you have this available, it's a booklet that's there that, that people can see, oh, look, here's the oven uh, book. And, and even though people look at that stuff online now, they don't, it, what it does is it shows organization and care. And the, when you're trying to get top dollar out of your home, which is frequently a goal, the level, uh, the perceived level of care that you take care of a home and how organized you are is, in, is incredibly helpful. So I think it's a great idea. Now, you mentioned seller's disclosure. One of the most informative and important documents when you go to sell a home, I say it's the CYA of selling your home because you want to disclose everything you know about this home. If you had a leak two years ago in the roof, you want to be transparent about that. Tell them what you did to remedy the problem and that it hasn't sensed. Or the same thing with you know water in the basement. If you had a leak and you ended up having to have a foundation epoxied or God forbid you had to spend tens of thousands of dollars fixing a foundation, you need to be transparent about that. Our seller's disclosure in this market is eight pages long and has 412 lines. So I know many agents, I know we both do, we give this disclosure to our listing clients pretty early in the process because it's not something that you typically sit down and fill out in one sitting. And there's information that is requested on there that you may have to do a little research to get. Uh, You can always have the option to put uh, unknown if you don't actually know. But again, diligence in your seller's disclosure builds confidence in potential buyers. Absolutely. And, you know, the seller's disclosure is is an item that we can upload so that potential other agents that may be showing the home consent to their clients before they tour the home, you know, and so this really is a good document all the way around and it helps jog everybody's memory when we're getting ready to walk through this 
home selling process. Yeah. So to real clip quickly flip side that, I always have a, a physical copy with me or on the rare occasion because of circumstance, I can't get to a printer. I'm always having it up and glancing through it as I walk yeah, through Yeah, we ask homes. lots of questions. Hey, how old do you think this roof is? Yeah. Hey, what about that electrical? You know, that panel looks a little bit old. Have they replaced that? Um, is there a homeowners association? These are another one of the documents we're going to ask you to collect because we convey the covenants and restrictions onto the next buyer. But this information is also something we put in the seller's disclosure. So we ask our clients to do all of these things in preparation for getting this home sold. So you'll have information about your roof, your air conditioner, your furnace, your hot water heater, any known water damage, any known uh, pest control issues, and you want to be as- Any as, transferable warranties that you have on the home is something else that's listed out in the seller's disclosure. How old the roof is, it goes on and on. And you're going to want to be very, very transparent. Um, as, as C-Y-A. Jen, as Jen already mentioned, right? Well, and, and, and I agree, it's, it's CYA, it's being open and honest about what you're trying to sell. But also, and I can't stress this enough, I really feel like, and I see it in my clients, I know I feel it myself, so I'm making sure I'm not projecting, but uh, I see it in my clients when they get to a disclosure that's very well filled out, that's detailed in what's happened and what's been modified and you know, there's been slight seeping in this basement, uh, I have a dehumidifier in it and it's never caused a problem, right? Very common thing that I see in disclosures for older homes, the 50 and 100 year old homes that I look at sometimes seeing that is comforting to clients, right? Yes, they're not trying to tell me nothing is ever wrong, but they're telling me when this happens, here's the outcome of it. And the God's honest truth is we can have a brand new home inspection and there's something wrong with the house. It's just like when you drive a car off the lot, there's something wrong with it. You just don't know what it is yet, right? So another document that we do, if the home was built before 1978, the government requires us to disclose that that home may have lead-based paint. We're required to give the potential uh, buyer information on that. So we have the seller fill that out. If the seller knows that there's lead-based paint, obviously they need to check yes. We know there's lead-based paint in X, Y, or Z. Frequently, you know, it's far enough out that they don't know anymore. We're just required to tell the next buyer that don't have your children chewing on the windowsills. That's a popular place that lead-based paint apparently was placed. So don't chew on windowsills. And by the way, this home was built before 1978, and we are required by law to tell you that it could potentially have it. So lead-based paint disclosure, we talked about warranties and manuals. You mentioned the HOA paperwork. And so that's not only disclosing that there is an HOA and how much it costs, but ideally you're gonna have a copy of that HOA covenant, the rules and regulations available also uh, given to your agent when you're listing, they'll put on the MLS, which then potential buyers, agents can download and, and give to them. Another document I like to go over with the sellers, and I know not every agent does this, but I at least like to offer because some people, you know, it's irrelevant to them, but most of the time people need to know what am I going to get from the proceeds of the sale? So there is a seller's estimated proceeds form that we can go over all the costs, the proration of taxes, all of the different things that go into what the bottom line is and what that client will likely be walking with at the closing table. And the other thing we can do in that document is different scenarios. What if I get 200,000? What if I get 250,000? These are different amounts and we can figure out based on the purchase or the uh, sales price, what they're going to be walking away with approximately. All right. So we've got a handful of documents that are part of the process, but it's just not that easy, is it? You're going to get some, well, you're either going to hire some physical labor or you're gonna get in some physical labor, meaning start scrubbing. <laughs> start, start scrubbing. And, and 
clean is so important. Now, everything you do to prep a home for sale is uh, has varying degrees of importance depending on the size of the home, the price point of the home, the comparables, the amenities, and the nature of the sales market. So in Kansas City right now, the inventory is so low, it's such a strong seller's market that you can get away with things that you wouldn't normally got have gotten away with even a year ago. This is why you always call a realtor. We can let you know what those important things are. But generally, we can sell a house that isn't clean because, you know, sometimes in estates and so forth, nobody wants to clean that home and nobody wants to pay $600 to have it done. So we can sell them. But generally speaking... Everybody likes clean stuff. It's one of the reasons we like to go to the hotels, right? Or used to anyways, because <laughs> they're clean and they've been cleaned in between. And there's, there's nothing, there's, you know, you talked about how people have so many things. How many things? So, yeah, that's crazy. The uh, There was an article in the LA Times not too long ago, and I've heard numbers that are very similar to this, that the average American home has over 300,000 items in it, individual items. And uh, I've heard 300,000, I've heard 250,000. So when we start talking about cleaning, we're also talking about decluttering. Yep. Uh, it's amazing to have that many items in a home. And, and it's, it's kind of not surprising when you really start thinking about it. But, you know, one of the goals of when we start selling in it, and this is a frequent common thread in sellers is, man, I wish I'd done this stuff when I moved in. And, you know, I tell all my people that, hey, whatever you think that you would have to do to sell this home, do it now so you can enjoy it. Absolutely. Right? Because you're going to get the mileage out of it and you're not likely going to get dollar for dollar out of everything you do. It just, it does bring more money. It, you know, makes your home easier to sell. It makes it appealing to have 10 offers in this type of market that we're in. But, you know, all, all kinds. So before we get into decluttering, staging, those kinds of things, which I think most people are familiar with, at least in concept, um, let's talk about home projects. So uh, here's a couple of examples I've got going on right now. Uh, I've, I've got one home that we're getting ready to list, and uh, it's actually going through a pretty significant rehab, uh, getting it up to its top spec because we did some, um, we did some estimated proceeds stuff and we realized uh, getting top dollar for the house was the, the best scenario. So that required- He had a little more time. And he had time. Uh, but also I'm working with someone actually, uh, we're in discussion about the listing and uh, he's telling me, well, I've got, you know, this project I have to do, there's some wood rot underneath the door and I have to fix that. And the fence has to be repaired here and here. And it's, so he's got this laundry list of home projects. And I know that that's a very common um, idea is, let me go get all these home projects done and then I will bring in the professionals because I'm a DIYer, I have my own people who can do it, to tell me how much the house is worth. Now, is that a good idea or a bad one? I would recommend getting your agent in there prior to this because frequently what we find is that a seller has one ideas and the market trends are much different than those. So their resources and their dollars would be spent in another area where their mind has kind of wandered over to doing a particular item or thing that they think is so important, but it's so important because it's important to that particular person. We're all these unique individuals, which is fantastic. But there's a general market trend that we as professional realtors can direct people so that their dollars are best spent. We also can tend to look at things objectively. What we don't want to have happen is for you to overdo um, something to prep a home to, for sale that you're getting ready to move out of, or maybe you don't even live in at the moment, 
because you think that that's going to significantly affect the. That's going to make it ten thousand more dollars, and something you do may make you ten thousand more dollars. But sometimes people have right. unrealistic expectation, and you're right, Eric. We can come in and objectively look at that and help the client work through that, and again, spend their dollars the best way. Right, and at the same time, we don't want them to underdo something. We don't want them to go, well, that's not a big deal. I don't want to fix that. And yeah, let's talk about the front door. What, what should we have ripped out door jams and maybe the deadbolt doesn't work? I mean, is that is that good? Oh, absolutely. It's a great first impression when you come in and and you and the window isn't clean on the front door and you can't see in. <laughs> now, again, we can sell all types of homes like this, but your front door is spend a little time cleaning the area, get the cobwebs out, paint. Paint is cheap. Paint is one of the best things that you can do in a home. Try and stick with those neutrals if you can. Right now, grays are really popular. Beiges are still pretty popular in there. But, you know, once in a while, I see a, like a very well dark blue, uh, very well done dark blue front door or something of that nature. And there are blues actually have been statistically proven, I guess, that people like blue front doors. I personally like a wood look, like a like a walnut. That's actually my front door. I like a wood look, but apparently people like blue or some bright colors. So once in a while, you can bring those in and make it make it flow with the home. But generally speaking, a neutral format, a neutral color throughout the home really bodes well. So this brings sort of that, do I want a realtor in this mix or do I want to get this done? So here's, here's when you're talking about color, here's a great example uh, of the house that we're in, in it'll rehabbing. They've, the, the clients have been consulting me saying, does this affect the marketability at all if we do X or if we do Y? And so the choice was made to paint a very popular neutralish color. It's could be the, the interior of the house is being painted in a, in a gray, which is very popular. Um, started real heavy popularity about a decade ago, and it still is very popular. And the question was, hey, we, we thought it would be really cool if we took in the kitchen and we just we did one wall in a different color, an accent wall. What do you think? And I said, you know, if you want my opinion, uh, you know, and I was assuming that maybe they were going for a darker shade of gray or something like that. So what color are you thinking about? And I'll be happy to share with you my opinion, but you're the boss, but I'll give you my opinion. And they said, well, we have this wonderful lavender, like a purplish lavender. And I said, I said, well, I said, I, I personally think the color is really cool. I think it would look great in the kitchen if I were moving into this house. I think that that's a color in particular that people love or hate and you're taking a pretty significant risk. And my recommendation is don't do it and leave it gray. So that's the- Yeah, it would be one, you know, there, there's a lot of things like that that we can help you with in a home that, you know, you're instantly probably gonna turn off 50% of the buyer somehow. Now, again, we're in a strong seller's market. So some of that's a little bit irrelevant at this very point in time. But let me tell you in my 21 year history that having a red or maroon or green or just any number, purple, name name a handful of color, yellow even, that that would be the reason that a buyer would not buy a house. And in a lot of markets, a buyer has 10, 20, 30 homes to pick from and they get to put in an offer and they get to actually negotiate. Right. Right. Well, I that'll mean, be our market again at some point. Exactly. But the, the point is, hey, let's make everybody happy. Let's make this a win-win. We keep things neutral and let people bring in their own palettes. Right. And that's not to say that you, uh, if, if you've painted a nice, heavy, bright accent wall that appeals to you, that you have to paint over it. That's not what we're saying. Uh, be aware that people could affect. But if you're going to be painting anyway, right, and you're painting specifically for resale, right, I'm getting ready to sell the home, then certainly stay with some of the more neutral colors that have the broadest appeal. That's what we're looking for, is we're looking for the broadest appeal 
so that's why those things are done. And then clean. Do we mention cleaning those windows? Have we talked about cleaning yet? We should talk <laughs> about cleaning. Hey, before we talk about cleaning in, one more thing about bringing your realtor in before you do those home projects. Realtors frequently have, or they should have, right, uh, a Rolodex. And I've been told when I use the term Rolodex, I need to talk to the people underneath the 40, underneath the age of 40. So what is a Rolodex, What Eric? is a Rolodex, right? So it's this thing that us old people, we used to actually put like business cards and contact cards in, and it would actually spin around. Think like the the big wheel and the price is right, right? It would spin around. But it's around with index like cards. It was with index cards. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was paper. So uh, it's an old term that really just means in the, they'll have a list of contacts that uh, can help with those home projects. If you get really busy or you don't have the particular, nothing. Or you need that deep clean, you don't wanna scrub the baseboard on your hands and knees, we got people. Right, DIYs are great if you know what you're doing. And you have the time. And you have the time, both of those things. But if either one of those don't apply to you, it's probably better to get a professional in to fix something, because I can tell you, fixing it wrong is probably worse than not fixing it all. Speaking of professionals, there's another professional that we can hire to do something, and those are stagers, professional stagers out there. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about staging, right? Because that fits a whole lot with the decluttering and the organizing. Yeah, and we talked earlier about how someone may have 300,000 things in their home. That's kind of the average. We're going to probably try and at least put out of sight a good third of those, maybe more. But whether that means you've got to get a pod, you're going to want to try and make those rooms look bigger. You're going to want to try and make them look spacious. And, you know, what about those little chairs, Eric? So that's that's a great tactic. We we love uh, as as people that look at homes, not just realtors, just people in general. We love the idea of these pristine, decluttered, very large, spacious rooms. So if you ever go into something that a home builder has staged, what you will find is is that the furniture there's five items in the living room. There's five items, and the furniture <laughs> is consummate, consummate to the size of the room. They frequently will have big furniture, but they'll only have five, like five or three pieces. Another common tactic is to put very small furniture in rooms that make them look bigger. And that's why you need clean windows and open window blinds and those kinds of things to make the room look bigger because we love that feel. And I love when I'm touring older homes with smaller rooms and they've done this and they've gone and and people go, oh, look how big this room is and everything. And and I look at the chair and I'm a big guy. I'm a really big man. And I got to tell you, I look at those chairs and I think to myself, you know, if I sat in that chair... Uh, and and I, I just, I'm picturing the most embarrassing call I would ever make as a realtor. I'd be calling up another realtor. Uh, yeah, Jen, I'd like to talk to you that, about that listing you have over in Gladstone. Yeah, the chair in the front room is going to be still on my butt. It's going to be an issue, right? It's in pieces. <laughs> I had to go out to my car with it. <laughs> so, but, uh, but these are important things to get as much stuff out. When you get stuff away from your home, I know uh, common advice is to take all the personal pictures down. Uh, that is not necessarily, but I would be more on the side of no political signs while you're trying to sell your house. Yeah, that's take, a tremendously polarizing issue that we don't need to put in play when we're trying to look for a buyer, you know, for our home. Take all of your political material out. Anything that's out in society right now that's divisive, that there are two sides to that, that are strong, that people are are passionate about, and passion is great to a certain extent, right? And to other extents, it's not. We want to be passionate about selling the home, and that means not being divisive. There you go. And and so you, you definitely want to do that. We talked, you mentioned decluttering and you said get it out of the house. You mentioned a pod, which would be one way to go. I think a better way, if you can manage it, is just to get it out completely. But I can tell you, having a pod in your driveway is a lot better than having a whole bunch of junk in your house. 
Yep. I, I've heard amazing things about 1-800-GOT-JUNK, too. I've never used that service personally, but I have some senior sellers that have sworn by that that service. So I, I've used... You know, a, a lot of times that's a great thing you can do in moving is really just throw away stuff you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years. Uh, you probably... I had a good hoorah doing that when we moved the last time. And, you know, when I cleaned out my mother's house, we did the same thing and had to, had to actually get a dumpster, you know, and get rid of some of that stuff. So My, my wife made me use the one uh, college hunk moving junk. I, I don't understand why she chose that one, but, <laughs> but we use them. So there's several services out there that, that they did a great job. Um, but yeah, declutter, get things out. If your living room has two couches and three recliners in it, and you know, because you have a lot of people over, reduce that, make that room look bigger, make sure it's clean. Uh, staging though, there are some options. If you're, if you're selling an empty house, you have some options if you um, you can hire companies to come in and bring in really nice, attractive, modern-looking furniture that's very appealing, and they can actually put it in your home. Uh, there's, there's also virtual staging uh, now. So t- what's that? Tell me about so that. So there's companies that will take your blank slate of your blank home and virtually stage it, put in like a couch, put in like a wall hanging, potentially put in some blinds so they can insert things. And into I th- the photograph. Into the photograph, into the blank slate or the blank room as you might have it. And they can insert things into the photograph. You do need to disclose that you are doing virtual staging, but it is an option. It just allows people to envision furniture in the space and how the space might be used. But and, and it's it's very popular. It looks really great, the stuff I've seen. So So there's lots of different options with the staging, whether that's an in person stage or whether that's somebody that actually brings in the rental furniture because you don't like your own furniture whatever the case may be. So lots of different steps of uh, ability for that. And you can also just get some staging advice from potentially a designer. Uh, or someone who specializes in home or stage Pinterest. advice. Now, now, mind you, all of this, uh, these will incur extra fees, right, that you'll end up paying, but th- they all are, are some pretty good ideas to maximize that top dollar. Again, first you're gonna wanna be talking to your agent about your market, your price point, the, the current status of the market, how swiftly homes are moving to see whether any of these kinds of things make sense. The one that almost always makes sense though, have we mentioned cleaning? Has anybody mentioned Everybody that your home clean. should be clean? I don't understand. And, and organized. Uh, so here's one thing I did when I sold my last house last year is, and it was funny, uh, it, I, I, that age old thing, it, it looked the best it ever had when I sold it. I never made it look good for me, but it was my tools. And I had them all organized on pegboards, really nice and everything. And there were several people who came through the house who commented, like, I really love how organized the tools are and you know how, this space because of the way you've done the tools. So it really does help clean and organize. So that's staging, decluttering. Did we mention clean? And did, did you say anything about cleaning? A little bit of cleaning. And then we're going to go outside too. We're going to make sure, I think we talked about those let's, windows clean. Let's finish up with that. The oh. old curb appeal. Curb appeal. We talked about the front door, freshening that up. Hey, throwing out some beautiful mulch or getting a load of mulch and freshening up those flower beds or even, you know, that beautiful flower pot with some pops of color. But yeah, when they come up to the home, this is your first impression. You know, you want to make a good lasting first impression and you can do that with your curb appeal. So curb appeal, 
is just that. When I'm at the curb, how appealing does the house look? It is that first impression. That sharp photograph of the front of that home that just lights that buyer afire. Right. So um, having your shrubberies trimmed, potentially your trees trimmed, your yard mowed. Oh, yeah. There, there was actually a listing you took recently where the trees were completely impeding I the house. I showed you that they picture. <laughs> And, and we love trees, we really do, but sometimes, you know, established trees do need a bit of a shaping. Absolutely. This particular tree hadn't been trimmed in years, and from the curb, you literally could barely see the house. So, Which I guess some people might want that, but you still could have a nice shape to the tree that would be attractive to the curb appeal. Also, there was no way to, like, walk under it, mow under it. It just hadn't been trimmed properly. We trimmed it up. It looks really great um, now, and... Um, but that's that's something that you really need to look at. And we've got tree trimmers. If you don't want to get the pole saw out, we got a guy for that. If that's on your radar, the um, the front door, right? The touching up, the paint. Usually, homes have a separate trim paint than they do an exterior paint. Some great accent. And if that's the case, that would be the paint to touch up to make it pop. Um, flowers, as you mentioned. Mulch. Flowers, some fresh mulch. mulch. Mulch is so easy and so inexpensive. It, it just to put a new coating down, it makes it all look great and pristine. Um, so a couple of other tricks that you can do, or I don't know if they're tricks, they're things that I don't even know how how effective they are, but I know people who swear by them. One is to uh, uh, water down the sidewalk because watered concrete looks better, you know, so kind of you I see that in movies a lot too Have you ever noticed that there's all these scenes where people shiny are sharp concrete. shiny sharp con- contrast uh, and I guess interior that would be similar to the the cookie baking which doesn't happen that much anymore that I've seen but that used to be a thing did no. you ever, oh did yeah you people that? used to lo- oh yeah for the open houses yeah. always used to bake the cookies bake the cookies get that chocolate chip smell so oh, those, yeah. those kinds of things and, yeah um, so all of those things can help but uh, I would say the most important uh, and I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, is uh, to make sure your house is clean. So <laughs> so get out that broom, y'all. Okay, so this is it. This is what we've been talking about in our second episode of our Home Seller series, right? The documents, seller's disclosure, lead-based paint if necessary, warranties, manuals, HOA covenant, uh, and estimate proceeds, walking through all of that. And then we've mentioned uh, all of the things that, or many of the things that you should be considering at home prep. We talked about uh, your home projects and maybe bringing your realtor in to get some advice and making sure you're spending your Not money. maybe, Eric. Bring your realtor in. <laughs> Bring in your objective, trusted consultant. And make sure that you're spending money in the right places to meet the goals and objectives that you've set along with that trusted consultant. Uh, there's decluttering and organizing making things look big, getting rid of all your divisive or potentially divisive, obviously it's not divisive to you if you have it, uh, political material, et cetera. And um, uh, think about staging, curb appeal. Oh, and did we mention clean? I think, I think you should clean. All right, folks, that's all we have now. So in our subsequent series, we'll be talking about, I think in number three is- uh, Showing. Showings. We'll talk about open houses. Uh, in our fourth episode, it is money, 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 money. We're going to talk about money, listing prices, uh, proceeds, all of that kind of stuff. And then in our final episode, we'll walk you through what happens to uh, when you get a contract, things you'll consider on that, all the way up to closing and turning over the keys to that house. So, thank you so much for joining us on our second episode of the Home Seller's Journey here at Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been 
listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you. 